Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Hi, I'm Mark Brumley. Welcome to our Ignatius Press author interview. And today we have Jesuit Father Robert Spitzer, president of the Magis Center of Reason and Faith, the Spitzer Center, and author extraordinaire with books on topics ranging from happiness, proofs for the existence of God, transforming suffering, apologetics, science and faith, and today's topic, his book, Christ versus Satan, the cosmic struggle between good and evil. Welcome, Father Spitzer. It's great to be back with you again, Mark. Uh, Father, uh, we talked about this book before, and I promised folks that we'd come back to it. So this is the coming back to it. Okay. But there'll probably be a little bit of overlap between what we discussed previously and this. But I'm going to start out with something that I know we didn't talk about last time, mm-hmm. uh, and that is uh, the recent Oscar performance uh, of uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> we don't usually talk about the Oscars, and we try not to date ourselves too much on this, but yeah. as listeners will know, Chris Rock, comedian, made some, uh, we'll say, insulting joke about Will Smith's wife, yeah. and Will Smith, the actor, walked up onto the platform yeah. at the Oscars and struck Chris Rock yeah. later during Smith's Oscar acceptance speech, he apologized to the Academy you know, for what he did, the ruckus and so on. And he mentioned that the actor Denzel Washington, during a break, had told Smith that uh, something to the effect that at your highest moment, you have to be careful because that's when the devil comes after you. you know? And so I thought I would lead in with that reference to the devil. I don't know what Will Smith thinks about the devil. I have some idea what Denzel Washington thinks because I know he's a Christian man. Yep. Uh, sometimes people will use references to the devil metaphorically, but uh, mm-hmm. you're not doing that in your book, Christ versus Satan. Is it really um, something we should take seriously today, the, the, the notion of the devil and the devil influencing our behaviors? Yeah, more seriously today than ever before, practically. I mean, obviously, there have been horrible times before in church history, but um, and certainly before Jesus, uh, you can tell that the, the world was full of the devil so much so Jesus called him the prince of this world. Uh, almost as if he had taken control. Indeed, he had. And now again, today, we are faced with this on a grand scale because the devil's not just there present in our individual lives, tempting us and deceiving us and uh, trying to seduce us into uh, his domain of autonomy and, and, and well, of hell. Um, but now he's really got a, a you know, a, a grip on the culture, a, a grip extraordinaire, as you might put it, uh, on the culture. And he has done it um, uh, using, of course, uh, not just mass media, but social media and all kinds of other ways. I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, you know, t- today, you know, um, you know, we were just listening to, uh, um, you know, a gaffe that was made by our president with respect to uh, the Ukrainian affair. And um, one of his uh, people, uh, his handler said, you just have to stay on script. You know, and uh, now coming from a, um, 
uh, a person who is supposedly a subordinate to uh, to the president is very interesting. Um, yeah, I think the devil is trying to keep uh, not just uh, the president on script, but is trying to keep the culture on script, is definitely keeping Hollywood, uh, no <laughs> uh, pun intended, on the on script, and uh, you know, and and certainly uh, is uh, trying to keep um, uh, you know all of us through those cultural agencies, media agencies, etc., on script, mm. and the script is. Uh, that uh, we are autonomous, sexual behavior has no consequences whatsoever. Indeed, uh, we should actually be uh, uh, very happy about pride and should brag about, uh, you know, how superior we are to uh, every other individual. And arrogance is a very good thing. Uh, or, you know, the Gordon Gecko line, uh, greed, gentlemen, for lack of a better term, is good. Right. So yeah, so we're we're definitely on script, and the fact is, uh, what where the script is leading is not only to hell for us individually, uh, but uh, culturally as well. Well, uh, so uh, you, you talked about being on script and and subordinates, and I, it sometimes reminds me that in these when we get into these uh, discussions about the devil, one of the things that our subordinates sometimes tell us. Uh, when it comes to staying on script is we're not really supposed to talk about the devil um, because people will not take us seriously. I, so I think of you, so I, I step, as I'm listening to you, I think, okay, here's Father Robert Spitzer. He's a brilliant philosopher. He's written all these books. He's got, he, he understands philosophy, science, and theology. Uh, if he starts talking about the devil, you know, isn't that going to undermine his credibility? And so there's a little voice telling me, you know, if I were, you know, from a publisher point of view, I don't know if I want Father Spitzer out there talking about the devil because people might not take him seriously. But I mean, that's a temptation we face nowadays when we have to talk about things like, you know, real diabolical forces. Yeah. How do you grapple with that? Well, I basically try to do it in one of three ways. Um, you know, first of all, if I need a, a quip, Right. In other words, if I'm just confronted with it and I got to answer in five seconds, I'll say, well, Jesus certainly believed in the devil and he made the, you know, defeating the devil a central part of his mission. Um, why should I be any uh, more superiorly enlightened than he uh, was, or, you know, in, in his capacity as the son of God? You know, so that's my quip answer. You know, if I have to answer in a more, you know, deliberate way, I just go right to modern exorcisms, uh, which I did in chapter three, because they speak volumes. I mean, there is so much evidence out there right now, not just for preternatural activity and things of that nature, right? There's more programs on this than you can possibly imagine on television, especially on the cable channels. But uh, also there's uh, a tremendous amount of evidence in the, in the church's own logs of these things. And people like, uh, uh, you know, Thomas Allen have, have written about this and, um, you know, his book Possessed, which was the Robbie Mannheim possession okay. and very uh, fine psychiatrist like Richard Gallagher, Dr. Richard Gallagher, uh, have written about this in New Oxford Review and his new book, uh, Demonic Foes, uh, just came out, uh, you know, about, a, oh, about several months ago at, on Harper One. Uh, but these are good, credible people who have 
not only witnessed all of these kinds of things, uh, but have seen the destructive power and especially the seductive power of evil, how these people got into the point where they were possessed, whether in Robbie's case, you know, they were playing with Ouija boards and another case of, of Julia for Dr. Richard Gallagher, uh, you know, she became a high priestess in a, in a, satanic, a satanic cult. Um, you know, she did it because she joined the cult. She wanted the power. She wanted, uh, you know, the, to cast the spells, to have the, the knowledge which God did not intend us to have, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, you say, well, they, these people got into, uh, you know, cult, you know, sorts of things. I never would never do that. Oh, that's, but the devil's favorite tactic is not to get you into the, if he can, of course, by all means. <laughs> love that, yeah, right. That. But, uh, but uh, on the other hand, he certainly will use the eight deadly, I call it the eight deadly sins because I separate vanity from pride. But um, uh, I do think eight deadly sins are so, uh, you know, <laughs> prolific, going crazy in our culture today. I mean, uh, what in the world can we say uh, other than if you, uh, the devil's not only made these sins available through social media in ways that uh, you can't even possibly imagine. I mean, greed, lust, pride, and vanity are, you know, <laughs> you know, historical, you know, highs beyond belief. And he's got all the rationalizations provided for you too. You know, oh greed is good. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, pornography is a, a you know victimless sin. I mean, uh, pride. You should be proud of pride, et cetera, et cetera. We we've all heard of, of of all these cliches, and yet people believe them. They live them. They walk right down the, that road of right. rationalization and the deadly sins, and then suddenly they find themselves in company that should frighten them beyond belief. Because as you move into those sins, you find that you are departing from your religious base, your religious protection, the protection of, of Jesus. And of course, you're moving more and more into a kind of company that not only resists any form of religion, and certainly Christian religion, certainly Catholicism and its sacraments of the Holy Eucharist and, and the Sacrament of Reconciliation, but more than that, you find that they are encouraging not just the deadly sins, but there they are, right at the edge of the occult, right at the edge of celebrating this sort of closeness to the satanic edge. And um, when you get to that kind of company, you should want to run out of the Hotel California. <laughs> going to go there for an awful long time could last an eternity. Wow, you know, it's it, this is interesting. So, uh, I asked you about what you know why we should believe in the diabolical in this day and age, mm -hmm. and and you rightly pointed to extraordinary phenomena, possessions, mm -hmm. and things of that sort. And I think a lot of times people will, um, of course, you've got some people who say that it's all nonsense or superstition, but ordinary people oftentimes will say you got a point there. You know, they'll they'll acknowledge that there's something there yeah. in the extraordinary. And you then transitioned into, you know, the, the more mundane or seemingly mundane mm -hmm. when you're talking about sin. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where sometimes people insulate themselves from 
from thinking about the diabolical. They're willing to acknowledge or carve out a space for the extraordinary diabolical activity. And because that doesn't really, they don't think they, that doesn't impinge on them. They haven't been possessed. Maybe they don't even get, they may, they may be so uh, concerned that they won't even, you know, their eye won't even fall on a horoscope in the newspaper or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for them to insulate themselves from these extreme examples. But you talk, what you're talking about involves our daily choices and the kind of people we become. Yeah, that, that seems much more um, that the devil is much more of a uh, real threat to me in that area. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and I'd say for 95 percent of people, that's where the, the threat is. But, uh, you know, everything is progressive. So you might just be, you know, at the point where you have what I would call a level two identity. You know, who's achieving more, who's achieving less, who's got more power, less power, more popularity, less popularity, etc. So you, you might just be in that kind of mode where you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to get this or that, uh, where vanity is sort of there, but kind of under control. Pride, arrogance, superiority is there, but kind of under control. Pornography, well, I just view it a few, but it's under control, you know, and, you know, greed, okay, you know, so I want to keep up with the Joneses, no problem. You know, it's kind of under control. And see, so you, you, there's the illusion you know, that I could just stop this at any time, you know, and I, I always say uh, the deadly sins, the one thing that's common to them is their addictive quality. Uh, it's not just alcoholism or drugs that's addictive. I mean, sex is addictive. Pride is addictive. Vanity is addictive. Uh, I mean, they're all addictive. And so uh, what you, you have to realize is that uh, we're, the devil is not going to try and push you to a, your point of discomfort, out of your comfort zone, right? You're not going to do that. What he's going to do, though, is progressively lead you along the line. And so his tactic is always to sort of suggest a series of temptations and see which ones you'll kind of go for, where, you, you know, the guilt is not going to be there. Remember, God's going to be acting through conscience. God's going to be acting through the Holy Spirit, working through those baptismal graces in our heart. So you're going to feel the sting, St. Ignatius of Loyola would say, the sting of conscience, the sting of the Holy Spirit, as you're kind of progressively moving into these sorts of sins. Now, the one thing is the devil then has to quickly provide the rationalization, which he does. And, of course, you know, he's hoping you'll buy into the rationalization because if you do, then you anesthetize your conscience, right? Oh, I've got it all under control or, you know, everybody is doing it. It can't be that wrong. You know, I mean, everybody's got a Mercedes 500 E class of leather upholstery now and couldn't be that wrong, you know, just to to have another one, uh, you (laughs) know, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is, you know, he's got these favorite tactics. And if the person is moving away from their religious commitment, is moving away from the teachings of Jesus, and is feeling, quote unquote, comfortable with that, in their comfort zone with that, the rationalizations have anesthetized the conscience, have anesthetized the sting of the Holy Spirit within us um, and our baptismal graces. If that's the case, then, of course, he can move to the next step a little bit more. Hey, if you like the Mercedes, 
there's this. Hey, if you like that kind of a, a ego jolt from your friends, here's this. Hey, if you like that kind of pornography, how's this? Hey, if you like whatever the case may be, right? And, and by the way, you know, you'd say, well, oh, with anger and envy, you know, those are kind of violent sins. They're, they're not the same kind of seduction. Oh, yes, they are. I mean, let's face facts. There's a great deal of, of satisfaction that can come from anger or from just, remember, envy is not just jealousy. Envy is the desire to harm another person because he or she has something more than you. And so the idea is, okay, did Iago get satisfaction from killing all these people around uh, Othello, you know, because he was envious of Othello or envious of the people he promoted? Sure, he got satisfaction. As he said, nothing makes me happier than this plot that has been hatched in hell. You know, he admits it, you know. And so, of course, the idea would be, well, wait a minute here. Um, how did, oh, you know, Yago get to Yago's place? How did Macbeth and, you know, and Lady Macbeth, how did they get to, you know, this place of wanting to kill people, you know, to get into a position of power, et cetera, et cetera? They weren't that way before. Well, they kind of walked down this little path. And they believed the rationalizations. The sting of conscience wasn't there. The point, of course, Shakespeare doesn't point this out. But in the while they're doing that, they're moving away from religion. They're moving away from the sacraments. They're moving away from the teachings of Jesus. They're moving away from their prayer lives and the comfort of Mary and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the comfort of Jesus. They're moving away, moving away to the point, of course, where the feelings of emptiness and alienation and loneliness are exceedingly profound. They're trying to control that by, you know, you know, excelling in the vanity, the the, the vanities and the, and the deadly sins that they're that they're embracing, right? So, gosh, I can get rid of this emptiness if I could just get one more ego high, if I could have one more triumph over my competition, if I could, you know, become the center of everybody's attention one notch higher in popularity, if I could just get this new sexual high, this new materialism high. If I could just do this, then I'll feel better. The emptiness, alienation, loneliness, the guilt will just suddenly come to an end, but it's, it doesn't. It just gets worse and worse. And the devil, of course, just gets those you know talons right into your shoulder. And, and of course, as he does it, he pulls you along and pulls you along. And there's only one way out. You've got to reverse course, go back to Jesus, go back to the sacrament of reconciliation. You're going to have to reverse course. And the only way you can reverse course, you're not strong enough to do this by yourself. You're going to need the grace of Jesus Christ. You're going to need the church. You're going to need the sacrament of reconciliation. You're going to have to start going to daily mass. You're going to have to start trying to get out of this, uh, you know, by, by means of grace and your own convictions. And then you're going to have to start disbelieving the rationalizations right. of the evil one. I'm glad you, you mentioned that uh, w when we talk about these extraordinary manifestations of diabolical activity, we think call the exorcist. But when, when we are talking about these other ways in which uh, the devil can be active in our lives, we're not so much relying on an exorcist, but 
we do have to rely on something. And, and, and so you're talking about the grace of God. What are some of the other practical steps we can take to avoid falling into the devil's traps in terms of the sins? Well, you, you alluded to uh, the, the deadly sins, uh, and obviously those are sort of root or foundational sins giving rise to other things. What are the things we need to do to avoid them? Yeah. So in addition to, of course, uh, trying to get to church and to the sacraments as often as possible, which is the fundamental thing uh, if you're caught in it. But there's three other things that are really important. Number one, it concerns friends. You got to leave the friends that sort of encouraged you to move away from God and into a life of the deadly sins. You you're going to say, I don't want to leave them. They're my good buddies. They're my good friends. They're just, I, I don't want to leave them. But you have to get a new set of friends in order to leave the old set of friends. So as you move back into a church culture, you've got to make some friends at church. You have to enter into a community of some really good folks at your church. Now, if you're the kind of guy that likes to do something at the soup kitchen, so your hands-on kind of person does some work, then join you know, a, um, a group that does that sort of thing at St. Vincent de Paul or another place. If you're the kind of person that likes to maybe teach uh, something to kids or uh, you know, wants to get involved in in uh, maybe you're a good financial guy, you know, get involved in the finance committee, but get involved with somebody, even if it's just a good social group that does a home a Bible reading uh, together once a week, uh, that you're in contact with these new friends because they will help you to move away from the old friends. But don't think you can just turn your back on your old friends without a new group of people. So when you get to the church, the number, of course, receive the segment of reconciliation, so forth. But the next thing is form new friends so you can start, you know, you know, pairing back on the old friends that were encouraging you in the wrong life. The third thing is you've got to take the teaching of Jesus seriously. Stop all the rationalizations. In other words, the, the, the idea of, you know, uh, you know, the culture gives you rationalizations on top of rationalizations, you know, to, to justify all the actions that you're doing. But the main thing that you really have to do is to get, you know, yourself in the frame of mind or I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He's the truth. The culture is not the truth. I, I, you know, I used to believe that the culture was the truth. I used to believe that they had the answer. I used to believe that they were ultra sophisticated. I used to believe that, uh, you know, they were the people. And then my eyes got open and I seen this is all baloney. This was a completely deception. And, and of course, I got sucked into it because I was vain, because I wanted to believe it. I wanted to belong to what C.S. Lewis would call the in crowd. In group, right? yeah. inner circle. The inner circle, exactly. That wonderful essay he wrote, you know, the most dangerous thing in the world is for us to want to be part of the inner circle. And the idea, you know, uh, when you add all this stuff up is to say, I was wrong. I, I was wrong about the truth. I now know Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. 
How am I going to get that truth? The church. I'm going to if, if I, you know open my catechism. That's a good way. Start reading the, the, the Gospels in the New Testament and take them seriously. Don't try and rationalize them off, but take Jesus seriously, right? If we can do something like that and have a regimen where we're going to re-educate ourselves, I'm not kidding you. And, and that's why I think sometimes joining a good group of people or joining a Bible study, a, a lot of um, um, uh, people who are, you know, kind of have the leisure to do so, uh, they do their home Bible studies, you know, during the day. But you can do a home Bible study in the evenings um, with a lot of people who are working people. And I think that having you get a double benefit from that. You get a new group of friends. And you also get a whole new perspective on truth. And what are you doing in those Bible studies? But you're studying Jesus' approach to life, Jesus' approach to the truth, Jesus' approach to the way to get to heaven. So uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life. The culture is not. And make that break. If you can make that break, if you can, once you do, I mean, you're going to see all the deceptions of the culture. You're going to go, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I got sucker punched like that. You know, what was I thinking of? Well, you were being deceived by the artful, the most artful deceiver of all time, Satan himself. And right. he's got more than enough uh, deceits to uh, to not only deceive you, but uh, a lot of other people uh, around the world as well. So that's the second major thing is who's the teacher? Who's the truth? It's not the culture, um, who, of course, the face behind the culture is Satan in, in many ways. Not not totally, but in many, many ways, uh, the face behind the culture is Satan. And, of course, go back to the New Testament. Go back to the catechism. <clears throat> go back to the church. The third thing uh, that's really important is rekindling your life of prayer. <clears throat> it's, uh, you know, people have been away from prayer for a long time. It's hard for them. Uh, to, to rekindle that life. It takes a lot of discipline. And when you first get started on prayer, you come from a hyperactive society, right? You come right. to social media is there. There's entertainment on the spot. You want to, if, even if you're bored out of your mind, play a solitaire game, play a, you know, go to your favorite website, go, uh, you know, go to your social media site, uh, post another couple of vain things on your social media thing. <laughs> right. In person, the inner circle guy, you know, you're the Superman, uh, you know, do whatever, you know, get all the ego highs you, you want. Okay. Well, you're coming from this hyperculture and all of a sudden now you're confronted with, I'm going to do a half an hour of prayer today i'm going to go into solitude for 30 minutes right you get your internet withdrawal right yeah, there Yeah, you really are but that's why you have to put down the phone you have to you, you can't let it be around you know because there's too much stuff on it to distract you you have to go to a place where you can find you know people say i just bring my my um, uh, readings into the chapel right, on right. my phone. That's why I bring it in. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, that, that's like, uh, you know, bringing the devil into the, into the <laughs> chapel with you. You know, why would you do this? Just get a breviary. Okay. It's a 20 buck investment, you know, but just get one, you know, a, a single volume. And if you want, get a, well, the four-volume one, you don't have to go all out. Get a Magnificat right. subscription, 
right? Whatever the case may or be. Or just bring in a Bible, like a physical Bible, you know? Exactly. <laughs> not, that we're, not, that, not that these apps and things don't have a use, but yeah. if you're struggling with internet stuff, the last thing you need to do when you're in the chapel and you're supposed to be praying and meditating is have yeah. access to the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but if you can get that prayer life going and, and there's some techniques for doing that, I put it in another book called Escape from Evil's Darkness. Which and we I will talk book. about one of these days. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> right. and in that book, I have a whole chapter on, you know, how to get your prayer life started and the stages of that prayer life and, and things of that nature. And you can really, uh, once that prayer life gets started, and then you really do, you know, you're looking to Jesus for the way, the truth, the life. And you're, you're really going to the sacraments as, as often as you can. And you're really trying to be sincere in resisting temptation, appropriating virtue. Honestly, uh, the devil's going to be, uh, you know, as they used to say in the cartoons, foiled again. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and but no, jo all joking aside, he really will be foiled. Uh, you, you know, you're going to become his enemy. You're going to be on the side of good, and you're going to start influencing people to do the very same thing. Uh, that doesn't mean you won't be tempted. Oh, the devil will come at you uh, a thousand times more. I mean, the minute you start becoming an effective adversary to him, right. he'll try every temptation under the sun. And St. Ignatius of Loyola, of course, talks about this and uh, rules for the discernment of spirits. But that's for another day. All right. Well, Father, you know, this is great. Uh the subtitle of, of your book here is The Cosmic Struggle Between Good and Evil. And, and when we talked about these extraordinary manifestations of the diabolical, that cosmic struggle comes to mind, and it's, it seems to be more cosmic there. The full title of your book is Christ versus Satan in Our Daily Lives, The mm -hmm. Cosmic Struggle Between Good and Evil. And you've done a wonderful job of contextualizing the fact that the cosmic str struggle has its consequences in the daily life yeah. that we live. Uh, but that Christ is the one who triumphs. Yes, and you've done. You've given us some wonderful tips. Tips is maybe a little bit too trivial way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Some key insights into how to participate or how, how to allow Christ to be victorious in our lives and our struggle against the devil. Father, I, I really want to have you back so we can talk about uh, the second book in the series. But mm -hmm. I don't want to sign off just yet. I want you to mention the three titles so that people have them in mind. And at the at the time of this recording, the first two titles are published. The third one's coming soon. What are the titles in the trilogy? Okay, so the first one, of course, you just mentioned, Christ versus Satan in our daily lives, cosmic struggle between good and evil. The second one is called Escape from Evil's Darkness. But notice that subtitle the light of Christ in the church. church. So it's going to be about that right. spiritual conversion. So we're talking about religious, spiritual conversion and moral conversion. So it's a kind of a how to book on spiritual and moral conversion through the church. So that's that uh, second uh, book escape from evil's darkness. The third book is called um, the moral wisdom of the Catholic church, a defense of her controversial moral teachings and here, I, you know, I, I don't have to tell anybody that, you know, the, the church's teachings are seriously questioned, you know, proclaimed to be anachronistic and cruel and insensitive, et cetera, et cetera. But as it turns out in this book, what I try to do is correlate the most controversial teachings, homosexual lifestyle, transgenderism, pornography, abortion, assisted suicide, et cetera, where the church is really under fire 
uh, in the um, in the current culture and media. And what I try to show is that if you uh, are living a lifestyle uh, that is going against those teachings, you can be sure of the following. You will see a significant decline in your emotional health, a significant decline in relational health, a significant decline in marital health, and a significant decline, above all, in spiritual health. So you're going to take a plummet downwards. The whole time you're going downwards, you're not going to know, of course, that this is happening. That's the whole point of talking about Christ versus Satan in volume one. You're going to think all is well. I feel great. I'm on top of the world. Everything's great. Until all of a sudden, one day, about two years into your change of lifestyle, right. you discover, wow, you know, I've got a three times increase in depression rate, a five times increase in panic disorders, a three and a half times increase in substance abuse, uh, you know, a seven times increase in suicidal ideation, et cetera, et cetera. And you go, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. Well, because you're living a lifestyle that is so incommensurate with Jesus's notion of love, the very nature to which we are called, right? That uh, that basically your whole nature is revolting against you. It's not that God's punishing you; it's you're punishing yourself. You're you know not listening to your conscience. Your 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 lifestyle is so incommensurate with a, a, a notion of true love. It's gone into a kind of a an egocentricity where Satan kind of predominates. So you should expect that. Should you expect that if you um, disobey these things, you know, people call uh, pornography a victimless sin. Yet the more pornography you watch, the greater your depression rate. And by the way, the longer you watch it, the more your um, um, uh, religion, uh, religious practice will decrease and to the point of, uh, you know, possibly being non-existent uh, by the time you get to viewing pornography five times a week, you're no longer, uh, you know, practicing your religion, prayer, right. or sacraments, anything at all. And furthermore, right. you get the added benefit of a doubling in your divorce rate, um, uh, a one point uh, four times increase in financial loss, and a one point uh, three times uh, increase uh, in losing your job. Uh, well, so that's that's great. Uh, yeah, well, well Father, we're, we're, I'd love to talk some more about this. In fact, we will, uh, but we've given everybody a taste now of this trilogy, and we focus today on this first book, Christ versus Satan, in our daily lives, volumes two and volume three, uh, more about which in due course. Thank you, Father, Father Robert Spitzer, for being with us today, and we look forward to talking to you again. My honor. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, Thanks for listening.